Hello, I'm Marco Zaza. And I'm David Zaza. This is Concertina Died and Other Stories of the East Side. Over the years, whenever our family was gathered around the dining table, I would tell stories about growing up on the east side of Youngstown, Ohio. These are fond memories of my youth, of my Italian immigrant parents, and of the shared experiences of family. I hope that some of the pleasure and the sense of the past that I get from telling them comes through in this podcast. Proximity to family is actually one of the defining characteristics of the idea of family. In previous episodes, my father talked about his closeness with a friend whose own family is as much a part of my family as our blood relations, and the community of Italian immigrants who gathered in mid-20th century Ohio had to be family to each other, as their own families were still back in the old country. As I grew up in the late 20th century, even though travel was easier, and technology was already building to the easy communication moment we're in now, proximity still defined family to a great extent. Of my father's siblings, for example, I grew close to the oldest, my Aunt Martha, and the youngest, my Uncle Jerry, because they were the ones who lived nearby. My father's older brother Nick and older sister Palma I knew less, as Nick never lived in the same town as myself, and Palma moved far away when I was still pretty young. Many people who move away from their hometowns talk about, quote, chosen families. We create our families from our friend groups who also live far from their actual families. The joy of learning now, much later in my life, about someone like my Aunt Palma, comes from hearing how she is like and unlike the other members of my dad's family that I know so much better. Dad here also shares his own view of how Palma fit into the family frame, and it's a pleasure for me to learn about an independent-minded, rebellious person whose contribution to my own life, through her influence on my father, as well as simply by this understanding of her place in our gene pool, seems now much larger than I ever thought it would be. The Unknowing Co-Conspirator In August of 2010, my dear sister Palma died after a long and courageous fight with diabetes. Attending the very simple funeral she had requested, my mind wandered back to two events that took place many years ago. In July of 1949, I was just 11 years old. Palma, who was 18, invited a young man to our house so that he could ask my father's permission to marry her. This came as a complete surprise to Mama and Papa, who strictly forbade my sisters to date at that age. Also, Martha, our oldest sister, was engaged to be married the very next September, and according to an old Italian tradition, daughters must be married off in chronological order, eldest to youngest. So, being the epitome of the Italian father, Papa quickly dismissed the young man, asking him to never darken the doorway of his home again. And so Joseph Frank, the would-be suitor, left, and a weeping Palma was sent to her room. The crisis had been met and dealt with. The very next week, while the family and some friends celebrated Papa's birthday, Palma called me up to her room and asked me to carry some paper bags of old clothing to the basement. 
I made two such trips and anxiously went back to the birthday party for fear I'd miss out on cake. Meanwhile, my sister Martha and her fiancé returned home from a matinee movie and joined in the party. Mama, missing Palma's presence, asked Martha to go upstairs and bring her down to join in singing Happy Birthday. What Martha found when she went to their bedroom was a note from Palma saying how she could not live without her Joe, and so they were eloping that day. The bags of old clothes I had carried to the basement were actually Palma's clothes. She could not risk using a suitcase for fear of being caught. She used me and the cellar exit to make her escape. The celebration was over. The newlyweds, fearful of Papa's anger, or whatever real or imagined retribution they thought him capable of, left Youngstown and made a home in Kane, Pennsylvania, a good three to four hours away. I missed my sister, who was always ready to give me treats or help me entertain myself. She liked to make fudge, which never set, and so we ate it with a spoon. By autumn, I had not seen Palma for several months, and then one day I looked up from my desk at school, and there she was, peeking in the window of my classroom door. I was so excited to see her, and I jumped out of my seat. The teacher asked me to sit down, and I remember saying, But that's my sister, and I want to see her. Mrs. Schrader went out to the hall, heard Palma's story, and allowed me to go out and see my sister. What a happy reunion. But once again, Palma asked me to keep a secret and not tell the family that she was in town. Once again, we were co-conspirators. Months later, on December 24th, Mama received a phone call from Palma from Pennsylvania. In tears, Palma told Mama that there had been a fire in their apartment, and although they managed to save most of their furniture, they were basically homeless. When Papa heard this, he told them to hold tight, that he would be there as soon as possible. So on Christmas Eve, in a snowstorm, Papa drove his truck to the hills of Pennsylvania and brought Palma, Joe, and their belongings home to Youngstown. Mama got the gift of a lifetime. Her family was together again. Dad, this story shows that you were really quite close to Aunt Palma when you were growing up. I was very close to her because we were co-conspirators on everything. She liked to defy my parents, and I liked her defying them and including me. With less risk to you. Right. And the risk was all hers, not mine. So she couldn't wait for them to go out, and she would make fudge which was for prohibited. My mother said, don't use any of the cocoa, flour, butter, milk, whatever. But she did it every time they went out. She made fudge, and it never came together. We always ate it with a spoon. <laughs> well, her, her fudge may not have come together, but my biggest memories of her do involve cooking. I mean, she's the one who started making cartadate yes. after your mother died. And was she the first of you guys to make the tarale? As well? Yes, she took the lead on the tarali because, for some reason, she thought she knew my mother's recipe. And she did, except for the amount of fennel seed that she would put in. She put so much fennel seed in that the tarali were almost green, 
and it was almost too much to eat. So my sister Martha then said, give me that recipe. And everything was right, except there was no measurement for the fennel seed. And Martha decided that three tablespoons of fennel seed was enough in five pounds of flour. And that's the recipe I make today. Although I think I could put a little extra fennel seed in. No, no, no. If it ain't broke, you know, I mean... Don't fix it. (laughs) Right. And the cartadots? Was she the first one who started making... Yeah, she started making them, but she didn't know how to make the cooked wine. So she would use honey or cook raisins down. Those were the things, and and that's what she put on her cartadot. And they were good, but... But they weren't the same. They weren't the same. But your mother used the pressed grape juice. Absolutely. Because my father made wine every year, and my mother got the first five gallons. Five gallons of wine she cooked down. Hmm. Okay. Okay, but let's move back to Aunt Palma here. So what happened after they moved back to Youngstown? Did they stay? Did they leave again? Or They lived in an apartment that my mother and father owned. Then they had an argument, and they moved out. Then she had a baby, and they moved back in until they bought that little house on Arch Street. And my father was against that. And so there was another rift in the family. So with all this drama, she ran away to get married. They moved back in. They moved out, whatever. Did she ever express later as an adult any regret about the way this all unfolded? No, never. She firmly believed in her love for her. Well, she did love her husband. And she was happy to be on her own and be her own boss, and make her own decisions without having to check with my mother and father for anything. And Joe Frank was a wonderful husband to her. He wasn't the ideal husband that my mother and father wanted for their daughter, but he was a wonderful husband to Palma, and they had two beautiful children, and they spoiled the hell out of their children. (laughs) She lived her life the way she wanted to. Well, it sounds like from the time she was a teenager or even younger, She was always her own person and rebellious. Absolutely. She didn't go to school for three weeks one time. (laughs) Why? She just didn't want to go. She went, she skipped school with her friend. And I can't remember the friend's name and she didn't live far from us. But she would call in the morning and say, Palma's sick. She won't be in school today. So finally the school called the house and said, what is the deal with Palma? How sick is she? And my mother said, she's not sick. She went to school this morning. She says, they said, oh, no, she's not in school. She hasn't been in school for two or three weeks. So, and she had her timing, right? So when she came skipping home from the time you get home from school, my mother was waiting for her. <laughs> and what happened? Well, she got a good talking to from my mother, probably a couple of smacks, I don't remember. And my mother said, when your father comes home, we'll just talk to him about this. So when my father came home from wherever he was, whatever he was doing, my mother told him what happened. And he said to Palma, you don't want to go to school? You don't have to go to school. And he okayed for her to drop out. And he said, now you have to get a job. How old was she? She was probably 17 because she would have graduated the following year, I think. And she got a job in a five-and-dime store downtown. And I have the glasses to prove it. (laughs) Which glasses are those? Those the little glasses that I drink my uh, sherry from. She worked in a five-and-dime, and they were selling those glasses, and she bought my mother a whole set. And I think you have the little cordials. I do. Well, those belong to that same set. 
You can have those sherry glasses whenever, but not yet. I still need them. <laughs> you have to leave at least one. You can take the rest. Anyway, she got a job, and she was working in the Five and Dime. I think it was Kresge's, or I, I know it wasn't Woolworth's, but it was Kresge's Five and Dime. And that's where she met Joe. Ah. That's, he went in, and they met, and that's when he asked to come to the house to talk to my father. And that's the story. Nice. And did Aunt Palma work outside of the home after she was married? Uh, yes, she did. She worked uh, at Strauss's department store. I have a ring that Palma bought for me that says on the inside it's engraved family and that everyone chipped in because she worked in the jewelry department in Strauss's. So it sounds with the story and the whole backstory, it, it seems she was a very independent. Quite independent. And she never expressed any regrets about dropping out of school or getting married so young or even just that she never had a proper wedding? No, she never cared. She didn't. She had the man she wanted. And Martha had received so many duplicate gifts and she gave all the duplicates to Palma. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> she gave her all the duplicates, which Palma quickly destroyed most of them anyway because she was a terrible housekeeper and... The thing she liked most, I think, and maybe it was on purpose, was breaking dishes. She always, she, she always, she, you know, she always ended up breaking something when she was when she lived at home, and she had to, it was her her turn to wash dishes. She and Martha switched. One night, one would wash, and the other would dry. One would dry, and the other would wash. And she always would break something until my mother said, "You're not allowed to wash dishes anymore." <laughs> and she knew what she was doing. Uh-huh. <laughs> The, the real thing I'd like to say about Palma is she was more like my father than any of his children. She had the spirit to be her own boss, call her own shots, and do her own thing. And that was always my father's thing. She was more like my father than any of his children. And I think he resented that. And do you think he resented that even more because she was a woman? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Because... Women were second-class citizens as far as he was concerned. They were there only to take care of their husbands, make babies, have sex with, whatever. That was it. Right. A man of his time and place, for sure. Okay, so you touched a little bit on Aunt Palma's husband, Joe Frank. Now, he's an uncle that I never really knew well at all, and I don't have a good sense of him. Did you have a good relationship with him? I always had a good relationship with both my sister Palma and her husband Joe. He was always good to me. He never gave me any reason not to like him. He was an orphan, but he came from a family. He had uh, one sister and one brother, two sisters and two and one brother. Uh, one sister lived in uh, Beaver Falls, and his brother Rocky was a really low-grade hoodlum. <laughs> and um, the name Frank is Italian, right? It's a short name? Yes, but, and I don't know what his real last name was, DeFrancesco or something like that. Sure. And you say he was orphaned, but were his siblings with him? Were they older? His siblings were older, and when he was orphaned, he and uh, the youngest sister were put into an orphanage. Wow. But then, as they, when they became 18, I think they were released from the orphanage in Pennsylvania, somewhere in Pennsylvania, in Kane, Pennsylvania, or near that area. And then they, well, his sisters married, 
one sister that lived in Youngstown. I can't remember her name. She was married to a guy named Tuffy. That's all I know. He was a real beast. He was an animal, this guy. He mistreated her. He mistreated his children. Did you ever hear me speak of Ralphie? Ralphie Cascarelli was uh, Joe Frank's nephew by his sister that was married to Tuffy. And then he had another sister who lived in the Bronx. And Rocky had spent some time in jail because he was a hoodlum, a thug. He held up places and... <laughs> and they always caught him for some reason. Well, I know the one, the one case where they caught him was because he left his hat in the bar. He broke into a bar at night after closing hours and he left his hat and it had his name on the inside. <laughs> On the on the headband on the inside, the sweatband. <laughs> so the police took the hat and they found him and they said, uh, are, "Are you uh, Rocco Frank?" And he said, "Yes." And they said, "You're under arrest." <laughs> <laughs> and he lived with Palma and Joe for a while because Palma felt sorry for him. He was a nice man and he was quite very quiet and he wasn't violent in any way. He just liked to rob places, I guess. <laughs> and. Who doesn't? (laughs) And what did Uncle Joe do? He worked in the steel mill, and he got many promotions while he was in the steel mill, and he made a lot of money. And that's when they fixed up their house on Arch Street. And that's the house that I remember from when I was a kid. A small small house on Arch Street, yeah. Another blow-up with my father, because he did not want them to buy that house. Why not? Well, he didn't want them to move. They were renting from him. (sighs) Right. He was losing a tenant. Yeah. So, anything else to say about Palma and Joe? They were good people. She was a a loving sister, and she took care of me. And you can't ask for more than that in a sister. I have one of those myself, thanks to you and Mom. Before we wrap up this week's episode, I want to let listeners know that there's a photo on ConchatinaDied.com that shows the Zaza family gathered at the breakfast table during the time Palma had run off to elope. Her absence in this family portrait is conspicuous. That photo and others are also being posted on Instagram, username Conchatina Died. Check it out. My own sister, Stephanie Zaza, helped me work out the discussion points for this week's story. Thanks, Stephanie. And the story itself, and all the memories, as they are in all the episodes, are all Marco Zaza's. Next week, Dad himself grows up and moves out of the house. So put on your reading glasses, Marco, and we'll see you off to college when I talk to you next week. Mm